a podcast one production. All right. <coughs> Take it away, my dulcet toned Adonis. It always makes me giggle. <laughs> Why? Uh, Is it really unnatural when I'm not talking in my usual nasal voice? (laughs) Hello, Jacob. It's also blatant false advertising, but I should just accept the compliment graciously. Hello and welcome to Just The Gist, a weekly-ish podcast in which Rosie Waterland and I, Jacob Stanley, give you just the gist of what you need to know about a topic we think you'll find fascinating enough to bring up at a dinner party with friends in the future. Uh, This week, Rosie is in the driver's seat and I actually do think I know what the topic is going to be this week, so I'm extra excited but I have done no research because I want to be totally surprised. Well, I mean, I was going to do it last week, but then we got so fascinated by ourselves that we just kept <laughs> talking about each other. So we ran out of time. So the topic this week is the execution of the Romanov royal family of Russia and the subsequent search for the possibly still alive Anastasia. I'm so keen to hear about this. As we mentioned when you did the Anna Delvey episode, and I suspected uh-huh. that maybe Anna Delvey was one <laughs> of the many Anastasia imposters. All I know about this story is the movie, which, yes, thank you, everyone who wrote into us, is not a Disney movie. It was made by someone who <laughs> used to work at Disney and left and went to Fox. Thanks for that detail. Still a great movie and we still love Dimitri. John Cusack's voice as Dimitri. Mm-hmm. Yes, thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, so I'm super keen to hear about that. But first, yeah, do you want to get into some <gasps> breaking news? Breaking news! I got the scoop. See, extra, extra, read all about it. A breaking news. Bacon poo. So many people have um are really keen to get their kids to be the one who records a fun, like, little breaking news theme song. It's getting competitive yeah. out there. We've got a lot of <laughs> stage mum listeners who are like, my kid can do it. So everyone, send in your kids doing funny breaking news thingies. This will be the new Bonds baby, the breaking news baby. Yes, right. We'll, we'll make it like the Hunger Games of breaking news. So Yes. <laughs> for kids. <laughs> so, <laughs> only the master will win. May the odds be ever in your favour. Okay, so <laughs> my favourite bit of breaking news this week is that did you see Chris Evans accidentally posted a dick pic? Captain America, yes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Which is kind of like everyone's worst nightmare. So he did that thing where he um, was showing a video on his Instagram and I guess because it was like a screen grab, when the video ended, you quickly saw a little shot of his camera roll, like his camera roll, his photo roll, and mm. one of the photos was real close up of a, of a pee-pee. And, like, he quickly deleted it, but everyone screenshotted that shiz, so it was like, whoopsie-doopsie. But the question is, was it his pee-pee? Was it another pee-pee? Whose pee-pee was the pee-pee? I think it's pretty obvious because if I was him, I would be just as, if not more, embarrassed about how many photos of him there were in that gallery. I saw the full gallery shot. So many portraits. 
Like, Well, that's what I thought too. I was like, I actually wouldn't care if I did that. It wouldn't really be a naked photo I'd be... Like, there's just so much more embarrassing shit on my camera roll. For example, <laughs> many photos of myself. Like, I can't even... Yeah. Poor thing. <laughs> Poor Worst <fella>. nightmare. <laughs> nah. Well, it's got people talking about him. He's trending. I think he's, like, number one well, it was, on the search Well, it was engines. quite a... It was a good-looking pee-pee. So, whoever it was, well done, sir, to you. <laughs> oh, so my cat, cat update, boo update. I I know everyone doesn't, you know, it's not interesting hearing about my cat, but this is funny because we're getting him used to a new place. You've got to like slowly get them like acclimated to where they are and the smell so that he, because he's an outside cat, so that he eventually doesn't run away when we let him out. But to get him used to outside, I've started taking him for little walks on a little leash. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like the weird new lady in the neighbourhood walking a cat on a leash. <laughs> it's so he doesn't run. Does he like? Does he pull on the leash? Is it like a dog that's yeah. just trying to run in every single direction? And no, he chase really things? doesn't like it. And he, I mean, he he's getting used to it though. Like he's smelling everything and exploring stuff, but the leash really gives him the shits because it's really undignified. Boo's a very dignified young man. You know, he's six years old, which is middle-aged for a cat. He's set in his ways and he does not like the leash, but that's where we're at. And I reckon a week more of that and we can try and go off leash, see how we go. I bet you he is so off you and if he could speak human, he would just express his disdain about how it demeans oh. the both of you. He's getting back at me. Do you want to know how? He's totally cock-blocking me. So he has taken to doing these really stinky shits right when Caleb and I are about to get it on. <laughs> like, I don't know how he times it. I don't know. But it's happened, like, two or three times we've been, like, getting down to business and then all of a sudden we both, like, pull away from each other oh. in disgust and start sniffing the air and we're like, oh, my God, boo. And, like, they're so bad. It's the kind of one that you have to just get out of the kitty litter and put it in a hazmat bag and just throw it into the sun because it's just the smell is awful. And so I think he's timing them exactly to get back at me. Uh-huh. He's he's devious. He's, he's devious. He's yeah. formidable. Yeah. He was a criminal mastermind in a past life, I'm sure of it. I know. Oh, this show starts this week on, I think I can watch it on Binge, called The Vow, and it's a documentary about that cult, um, Nexium, with the, oh, the yeah. famous people in it. Yes. Yeah. So everyone should watch it because it's dropping like week. It's one of those week by week ones, which is mm. so annoying. But um, I'm super psyched to watch that. Everyone should watch that. That's a little uh, Rosie's recommendation. Yes. Apparently once, it's amazing. I haven't seen it yet. When the series is finished, we should definitely do a, um, a Just we the Gist on it for sure. I know. Um, I, know. I actually had that on my list. Not that I know a great deal about it, but I know enough to know that it would mm. make a, a really fantastic story. Okay, cool. We'll wait till the end of that series. Speaking mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. TV recommendations, have you seen The Boys on Amazon Prime? Oh, no, but I've heard a lot about it. Is it good? It's really, really, really good. I finally got okay. around to it. I was devastated to find out that once you get up to halfway through season two, it's now a week-by-week week drop. Ah, uh, no. Yeah, but, uh, like, the commentary in it, 
the societal commentary. Well, it's basically about a group of superheroes who are sort of like a satirical take on the DC universe and the Marvel universe, but placing them in what it would be like if they were here today in a world full of social media where, you know, marketing is so incredibly important and they were all Uh, commoditized and, like, it is just funny and clever. Very, very clever. Oh, see, I didn't know that's what it was about. So that's Mm. like... Sometimes I think the way they put those shows on Netflix and Stan and stuff, it's like they don't give you, I will just go past something that's amazing because the little blurb and thing looks so crap. Yeah. They need to hire us to go, legit, it's amazing, watch it. Four stars, Rosie approved, or Jacob says yes. Yes. That's what they need. And it had been recommended to me ages ago and I never actually got around to doing it. I'm so glad I finally made the time. In particular, Mm. Chase Crawford is, like, recruited by their version of Scientology in it. And, like, the commentary that they make on the Church of Scientology is hilarious. Oh, my God. We need to do an episode on Scientology as well. A lot of people have asked for that. Mm. Because I went to the Scientology Centre in LA when I was there just for lols. I think I've told you this. Yeah, I couldn't believe how brave you were. I know. We went in and we did a whole tour and then I told them I needed to go to the toilet so I could break free and then I took some secret photos while I was, like, on my way to and from the toilet. Mm. And, like, the best thing is they had this uh, woman who took us around. I won't say her name because, I don't know, I don't want to get her in trouble. She was really nice. She took us around and um, she still emails me, like, what is it now, three years later or whatever, I still will get an occasional email from her like, hey, Rosie, it's blah, blah, remember? And she remembers that I'm a a writer and she remembers that I live in Sydney and she asks me how I'm going and she's like, just want to point out that L. Ron Hubbard is blah, 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 like just keeps me up to date. And so, yeah, I've I've got an in. Wow. We could use that, I'm sure. I know. but In preparing for your episode. There's some effed up shit in that place in LA. Like when I snuck away to go to the toilet, I took a photo of this exhibit that was basically basically comparing like psychiatry to the Holocaust. And it was just all about how psychiatrists are evil and medication is evil and it's responsible for the deaths of all these people. And they have like these like dioramas and it's, it's nuts. It's nutso. Mm-hmm. And I also took a secret photo of all these e-meters, like, throughout the years, like, how they've upgraded and evolved, like, because the e-meter's the thing where you hold basically the two tin cans and, I don't know. Can you please post them? Yeah, sure. They're still in my phone somewhere. Yeah, I'm sure so many people would want to see them. Maybe just don't use any hashtags that are going to draw attention to yourself (laughs) and you might get away with it. I just don't want to get, like... come around a dark corner and Tom Cruise is standing there with an axe, like, yeah. <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> so, okay, I'll post them, I'll post them. Just one more thing. In preparation, everyone, for us potentially doing a Scientology episode, go ahead and watch um, Going Clear on oh, it's so Stan, good. I think it is. Um, one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. And you should, that documentary is based on a book which I listened to and um, it's amazing. It's basically like a 10-hour podcast about Scientology. It's so, so, mm-hmm. so, so, so good. Mm-hmm. Oh, the only other breaking news is um, the Kardashians is ending. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know the show was still going. Like, I don't, I've never really, I've watched episodes of it, but I've never watched, you know, so I don't, 
I didn't know the show was still a thing. I gave it like a 10 second crack one time when I was on a plane and I was like, all right, this has been going on for like six years. I should see what it's all about. Um, And then had to switch it off because I just couldn't, no interest whatsoever. I know. It's just, it's just them sitting around. They eat really big salads and just go to some business meetings and then they fight with each other and that's it. Are they wrapping it up because of something to do with Kanye or? Mm, I don't know. I was reading a thing on it and apparently the ratings haven't been good for a while and also a bunch of them don't want to do it anymore. Like the oldest one, what's she called? Courtney does hasn't wanted to do it for a while. Plus Kanye's like, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff there going on that like they probably really want to keep private. Oh, I heard there's another state that locked him out of um, being allowed on their ballot in the election because he handed in his petition like 16 seconds late. Is he still running? Yeah, he still says he is, but he's getting busted all over town. Like one state um, wouldn't uh, accept his, like, because you need to get like something like 10,000 signatures to be an approved candidate. Mm. And he handed in these signatures that were clearly all just written by like one person, like some intern sat down and just did a whole bunch of different, but you can tell it's the same handwriting and the same. Yeah. And so the judge was like, this is clearly fraudulent. Go away, Kanye. And then this other state yesterday was like, you handed in your thing 16 seconds late. That's the one stuff up we needed because we don't want to deal with you. So go away, Kanye. He still says he's doing it. Wow. Uh, I think he's okay. one of those rich dudes who's, you know, he's arrogant and whether or not he launched this presidential thing in the throes of some mental health stuff, which they say it probably did have to do with his bipolar, I think he's now too proud to admit that it was an F up. So he's just going to keep kind of chugging along, you right. know, I don't <laughs> Just double down, double down. And... Hey, Kanye, 2024 maybe? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God help us. And Kim is studying law, so maybe they will end up a, you know, prominent political dynasty. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) President Nori West. Speaking of disastrous leaders, shall we talk about the Romanovs? Oh, yes, yes. Game on. All right. That was breaking news. Okay, here we go. So the Romanovs and Anastasia, obviously, is what every kid is obsessed with. I was obsessed with Anastasia when I was little, like, almost, like, Titanic level. Not the Mm. same, but, like, it was a big childhood obsession. You know, just something about, like, could there be a secret princess somewhere? And if we don't know who she is, could I be related to her? Like, am Mm. I a Romanov? (laughs) And then Uh I'd look at my mother and be like, no, (laughs) 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 that's not possible. So I think, um, yeah, it's just something that I was always really interested in as a kid. And, um, but then when I looked into it, a lot of stuff's happened in the last even few years that I didn't realise, like updates. So I'm going to tell you a little bit all about it. So here we go. The execution of the Romanov family. I shouldn't look so happy and excited about this. I know. <laughs> it's a very no, tragic it's story, but I'm well, excited to hear. It's a tragic story, but it's also it's not because, well, it is. The Romanovs remind me a lot of the Trumps. Like, 
They're awful. They're awful. They're awful people. He's an awful ruler. And so I'm not saying, like, look, I hate the Trumps, but I don't want them taken down to a basement and shot. So, like, that's sort of, but, you know, it's, the more you learn about them, the more you're like, well, yeah, you guys were the worst. So, you know, just saying, but we'll, we'll get to that. Okay. Yep. Um, all right, here we go. It's 1894. Mm-hmm. Russia has been ruled for ages by this dude called Tsar Alexander III. Mm-hmm. And his son, Nicholas, is the next in line to the throne. But Nicholas was, like, not freaking out because Alexander is only 49. So he's going to be there for ages. And so Nicholas is just like, whatever, like, I'm going to live it up. I'm a prince with no responsibility for at least 20 years. And his father didn't really respect him or teach him anything because he figured he had plenty of time too. But then, bam, he gets sick and dies. Some kidney problem, apparently. So at 49, Tsar Alexander is dead and Nicholas, who is 26, has to become the Tsar, mm-hmm. which is like the king. Uh-huh. And he is just like, WTF, I literally had two more decades of solid partying planned and now <laughs> I've got to be in charge of things. Mm-hmm. He's engaged to his cousin, the German princess Alex, whose grandma is Queen Victoria of England. So they're all body Uh related to each other. And um, they were going to have like a pretty chill engagement, not get married for a while. But then when he's, when his dad dies and he suddenly becomes czar, they're like toot sweet, get her over to Russia, get them married really quickly because they want to make him seem legitimate as a czar. So he needs a czarina. And Uh also in what like was pretty rare at the time, they were actually in love, so it wasn't just a political arranged marriage. They actually deeply loved each other, and he was like, I'm scared without my daddy. So <laughs> he wanted her there because, you know, she was like his his bestie, his his girly, his girlfriend. Slash cousin. S- slash cousin, yes, because they're all related. <laughs> so people, like, really didn't like her from the start because he involved her a lot in his decision-making. He involved her a lot. Like, he took her advice on things. He asked her about things. He would leave her in charge of things herself. So he'd be like, oh, that problem? The Serena, Alexandra, can take care of that. And that really made the men who would work for his father angry because they were like, you can't just give this, like, lady all this power. Like, you know what I'm going to say, Jacob? What if she gets her period? <laughs> so nobody likes how much he involves his wife inside the palace. But they get married and they're fish- they are officially made the Tsar and Tsarina of Russia. They're the wealthiest royal family in the world. And they rule over one-sixth of the entire planet. So this was pretty much the end of... 300 years of solid Russian rule where they had just thrived and thrived and thrived and thrived and thrived. Wow. When you say one-sixth, do you mean one-sixth of the global population or landmass? Landmass. Might not be any landmass. Okay, cool. Landmass, landmass. But, you know, when we say it was 300, you know, this golden era of 300 years of thriving, it's mainly thriving for their family. So, you know, the royal family, the Romanovs, got richer and richer and richer and acquired more and more and more, but not so much everyone else. Mm -hmm. 
things are tense between Tsar Nicholas and the people right from the start because this is a period in history where people are getting annoyed. Like, how come you've been getting richer and I'm really hungry? Kind of reminds you of the billionaires today, no? (laughs) So people all over the world at this time were sort of starting to demand basic things like human rights and equality and being allowed to vote for things in their interest and, like, can we just have food maybe? Like that kind of stuff. And people are also sort of wising up to the system of monarchies and kings and queens and they're like, how come you get to be in charge of everything and have all the money and make all the decisions just because you were born into a royal family? Like there had in the olden days been this thing of royal people being ordained by God and nobody questioned that, but we're getting to a time now where people are starting to question it. And that's why, you know, in um, Britain they formed a constitutional monarchy where the royal families in charge, but there's still a government that, like, so things don't get too dictatory and corrupt. Yep. But Tsar mm. Nicholas is very old school. He's like, no way. Like, I'm the royal family and especially me, I've been ordained by God. I'm a special boy and I deserve all of this and only I am meant to be in charge and nobody else. And he thinks that way because that was his father's attitude too, like just absolute dictatorship. The king is in charge and like no government, no voting, no debating on issues, just like the king is the boss. Triple stampies, no racies, shut up. (laughs) And I do think maybe if his father, Alexander, had lived longer, he would have been faced with the sort of changing nature of the times and the pressure to change that way of thinking, but he died. And his attitude when he died was that the royal family and particularly the Tsar is the chosen one. And like Nicholas, his son, isn't very smart. They say Tsar Nicholas was notoriously a bit of a dummy and he's like very arrogant and very spoilt. And so because that's what his father had always told him, he was special and he was the boss when he's the Tsar, he just, he doesn't have the capacity to ever understand any differently so he's basically Mm. just like my daddy said i'm the boss so i'm the boss (laughs) and he's not unique like when you look at history all the way back from like the earliest earliest pharaohs of ancient egypt and across Mm -hmm. the entire globe there are so many instances where you know the one thing that they had to be able to rely on um maintaining control of their people was saying i have the power of god i am chosen by god And you therefore have no option but to follow me because it is the will of this thing or these things that you worship. And, of Mm -hmm. course, it is pretty much always a man. Oh, it's always a man. And it always leads to corruption because what do they say? Absolute power always corrupts absolutely. Corrupts absolutely. Hmm. Yes. And this is why revolutions start, which is... Mm. (laughs) kind of similar to what's going on in the world right now, particularly in the US. Like, mm-hmm. tr- anyway. Anyway, not a political podcast. Do your own research. This is just the gist. <laughs> so <laughs> he um, doesn't get off to a great start. In 1905, He Nicholas wakes up one day and he's like, I want Japan. And so he starts a <laughs> war to go and take Japan. <laughs> <laughs> and they weren't really 
equipped to be sending people <laughs> off to war. So then, you know, all these men are dying and in Russia there's no food, there's no work, um, everything's kind of crappy. And so there's a peaceful protest where all these people in Russia sign a petition saying like, can we like not do this thing with Japan? Like we've got to like feed ourselves and do things at home. And they march to the palace where they're going to present him with this petition saying all the people want to tell you that this is dumb and can we please stop it. But mm. when the people get to the palace, um, the guards just shoot at them and hundreds of people die, hundreds of people are injured. Mm. And so from that day he's nicknamed Nicholas the Bloody. So the people just not not big fans, not mm-hmm. big fans. And so that's how things are in sort of between him and the people in Russia. At home, um, he and Alexandra have four daughters, which is a total stress out because her main only job is to produce a male heir and she keeps only, like, pushing vaginas out of her vagina. She really (laughs) needs to push a penis out of her vagina. So they have Olga in 1895. Tatiana in 1897, Maria in 1899, and Anastasia in 1901. The Tsarina Alexandra is probably like, oh, my God, please, like, because they've got to just keep going until they hit on a boy, and Mm. they do. The next one she pushes out is a pee-pee. It's a boy. In 1904, a boy is born named Alexei, and they're all really excited, but it's obvious, like, really quickly that um, he's sick. So... Mm -hmm. That little, like, bit of nub of disgusting umbilical cord that's stuck on a baby's belly button for a few days until it dries and then falls off like a dried-up raisin. Oh, my God, it's so disgusting. You know what I'll do? Should I post on the Instagram the photo I took of one of the twins when her little thing fell off? No, please. (laughs) It was me. I was changing her nappy and it fell off and I just held it up and took a selfie like, oh, my God. His comes off and his belly button won't stop bleeding. It's just bleeding and bleeding and bleeding and bleeding and bleeding. This is when they realise that he has been born with Mm haemophilia, which is the disorder where you can't clot blood properly. So, And blood clotting is the thing that stops you from bleeding. So, yeah, he's he's really sick. And, I mean, it's because they are all so effing inbred. Like, haemophilia is apparently a known thing that, results from major inbreeding. Really? Yes. I didn't know that. All the royal families are bloody just, like I was, it is so funny to me that when poor people do something, it's called trashy. So like, if you talk about like cousins getting married in the trailer park because they're trailer trash, but when rich people do it, it's classy. Like rich people marrying each other and keeping their bloodlines pure and, and they're all bloody inbred. Yeah. It ends and up sh- like that episode of 30 Rock with um <laughs> that prince oh, from yes. <laughs> what's his name? Martin Short like, is the guy who plays him and No, Jenna. it's not it, it's not Martin Short, it's um Pee Wee Herman. Shut the up, guy is who it? It's Pee Wee Herman, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Excellent prosthetics because I didn't pick up on that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean these all these royal people are so inbred. Like mm. You'd look at, like, the royal family now in England, they're probably more inbred than the people you tease at a trailer park. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, <laughs> they really are. So it's it's a bloody wonder that they're all not just, like, puddles of DNA cells on the floor by the time it gets to them. 
And also because Queen Victoria had like five million children and she sent them off to royal families all over Europe. So like <laughs> they all just, they're all related. So he has haemophilia because he's inbred. His parents are cousins and they're uh-huh. probably cousins of other cousins of other cousins. Who knows how inbred this kid is. And to have haemophilia back then was basically like being a walking time bomb because it's not just that if you cut yourself, it's hard to stop the bleeding. It's also um, causes internal injuries. So it's the kind of thing where if he's running in the playground and he falls over, they have he could seem fine, but then two hours later he dies because he's been bleeding internally from, yeah. you know, the smallest bump. The life expectancy of haemophilia back then was like around 15 or 16. And that's if you're rich and well taken care of. And, you know, mm. this Serena Alexandra becomes obsessed with protecting him. Like, not only is he precious because he's like the son, but he's also now wrapped in even extra cotton wool because, like, they had to keep him alive and they didn't want anyone to know. He started getting carried everywhere, like all that kind of stuff. Um, mm. Also, just an aside, he turns out to be like a total dick. Like he's such a spoiled little brat. And I was watching um, some docos last week when I was um, researching this and he, <laughs> there's video footage because they were one of the first royal families to extensively film and photograph each other. So there's a lot of footage of the Romanovs, especially of the kids. And there's video footage of him just like, pushing people over and like, like he's like, they've got a camera on him and he's about, I don't know, 10 and there's some woman standing next to him and he just turns around and shoves her and starts laughing. And like, cause he's the prince, you can't really do anything. And then there's this other footage of him standing in a line, I guess it's like with other boys, like his age. And it looks kind of like an army inspection. Like they're all standing there dressed up in their little clothes and a man's walking past inspecting them all. And he just turns to the kid next to him and slaps him as hard as he can across the face because he knows the kid's not allowed to do anything. And then he just laughs and stands there. I'm not surprised at all. He's a little monster. He's been given zero boundaries and told that he's been chosen by God to be the next ruler of this Russian empire. And plus he has this illness, which means his mum basically planted herself next to him, never left. Like, he is just spoiled, unspoiled, 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 unspoiled. He's Joffrey Um, and she's Cersei. He's Joffrey. Mm. Mm, Yes, I will say it, yes. Um, And so we are talking about Alexei because... He's, his haemophilia is the reason the famous Rasputin comes in to the story. So everybody knows Rasputin as, like, the scary villain in the animated movie. And it's weird because everybody... And I also did think, uh, maybe from that movie, or I don't know, that Rasputin was the one who killed them. <laughs> but, like, no. <laughs> but anyway, I think that's a misconception from the cartoon. But he was manipulating them? Well, okay, I'll way. tell you. So the Serena Alexandra is so fixated on protecting Alexei and keeping him well and because she's, like, rich and insufferable and this is always what rich and insufferable people do, she starts looking into alternative medicines and stuff. So, you mm. know, your you cricket powders, etc. <laughs> um <laughs> I deserve it. I deserve it. Um, Rasputin was basically, back then, Pete Evans. Like, he was 
he'd become famous in Russia as this guy who was like a priest-like figure. He was kind of like a cult leader, but he didn't really have a cult. He kind of travelled around, quite nomadic. He was like really tall and skinny and he has this long hair. I mean, everybody has seen pictures of Rasputin. He looks like a homeless, deranged wizard. Like he Mm. just is terrifying looking. He looks a bit like Charles Manson, if Charles Manson was like even more horrifying. Yes. You know? Mm. He looks like what I imagine Pete Evans is going to look like in 12 months as things just get crazier <laughs> and crazier and crazier. But he is essentially kind of like Pete Evans. Like he has all these alternative ideas about how to heal people and he thinks that he knows better than doctors and he like has all these magic potions and stuff. And so um, Zarina Alexandra, when she gets in all to this alternative stuff, she hears about this Rasputin guy and she's like, get him here too sweet to look of, look after Alexi. And she's convinced that he makes Alexi better, which a lot of people have said that it was weird. Like he did seem to have less attacks and, and like issues when he was around. But a lot of people say, and this could just be another women are hysterical, what if she gets her period thing. But a lot of people say that it's because Alexandra was so emotional and hysterical and uptight and tense about Alexei being unwell. But Rasputin had a really calming presence and he made her calm, which in turn made Alexei calm, which just helped Mm -hmm. their general well-being all round. Right. But that's kind of like saying she was a psycho and... So who knows? Anyway, mm-hmm. you know how gender dynamics, you know, messes up the reporting of history. <laughs> but she does sound like a real piece of work, to be honest. Yes. And so, yeah, he's there and um, he becomes like this permanent fixture in the palace. He's kind of like a third parent to all the kids and there are rumours going around that he and Alexandra are, you know, stooping. Mm. Ministers and like confidants and people who are normally um, part of the Romanov inner circle start to get really um, jealous of his influence and they think he's affecting policy and stuff. And he probably is, to be honest, because Nicholas is an idiot. And like, imagine, you know, when rich, dumb people start believing someone crazy like Pete Evans. They, it probably would affect policy. Like if Donald Trump brought Pete Evans to the White House for advice, like he would probably outlaw vaccinations in a week. You know what I mean? Mm. It's mm. like the danger of getting someone that nuts and that influential with crazy ideas and pair them with a rich, dumb idiot, mm-hmm. you know? Intense change is going to happen, like negative intense change. Not intentionally drawing parallels with the Church of Scientology here, but um, <laughs> see if you can draw some for yourself after you've watched the documentary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's a lot of, like, political cartoons being published of Rasputin, like, you know, going Alexandra in very unflattering sexual positions, you know, of him, like, whispering in Nicholas's ear while he's having sex with um, Alexandra. So the people are, like, getting this sense of, you know, back then those kinds of cartoons were kind of like tabloid magazines, and so the people are... Saying like, who is this crazy homeless wizard man in mm. the palace having mm. sex with our Serena and like hanging out with our czar? Like, so people don't like him. Mm-hmm. And so Rasputin is eventually murdered by 
some people in the palace who just get sick of his shit. They're like, it's basically like they were like, we need to get Pete Evans away from power. So they just (laughs) kill him. But his being around the Tsar and Tsarina for that amount of time, because by then it had been like 10 years, it Uh just did nothing to help endear them to a population of people who already kind of hated them. And then they brought in this weird homeless horrifying wizard man so yes. it just had done a lot of damage yeah so that brings us up pretty much to where we're going to start talking about the execution mm-hmm. so basically they're spoiled brats the whole country hates them i think rightfully so they had a weird homeless wizard man and everyone's like we're so done with you russia then ends up in world war one which i'm not going to explain the mechanics of that to you like this is just the gist but you know <laughs> I'm sure a couple of really good books have been written about that war, so go, have a, go check them out. <laughs> there might even be a movie. But anyway, look, Russia is in World War One, and they're fighting and stuff, and it messes Russia up because Nicholas is such a shitty ruler that nothing is prepared for the country to go to war. So they send all these men off to war, so they're all dying, but there's no infrastructure in place in Russia to keep the country operating when they're in a war. So, you know, the food production system breaks down, hospitals close, like there's people are dying. Like it's just there's no um, sense of preparation um, and people really get the shits. And like he apparently has no, he's in such a bubble in his royal household. He has no sense of what's going on and he has no Mm. sense that the people would rise up against him. And he doesn't believe they would anyway. Like when his um, ministers and stuff start saying to him, you know, like, uh, Nicholas, the people are kind of mad and they're hungry and, like, maybe you should think about, like, saying something or doing something because they might rise up. He's just like, they will never rise up against me. I am ordained by God. They love me. My dad said Mm. they love me, so they do. (laughs) That was kind of his opinion of it all. And I'm basing this mostly off watching part of The Great, but it feels like there probably wasn't any sort of historical precedent for people rising up in that part of the world. No, because the reason the Romanov family had lasted so long from pretty much the time of Catherine the Great was because it was just a total autocracy. Like, it was total, Mm. like monarchy dictatorship. And if anybody did ever hint at possibly any kind of revolution, they were just like wiped out. So it just Mm -hmm. wasn't something that happened. But I think because of the time we're in now, like um, people are able to communicate more easily with the rest of the world. We also have the industrial revolution. So like, it's just a, a huge time of progress across the world. And it's just now at a point where you probably can't stop people being annoyed that you're a billionaire and they are starving. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, I guess, building towards it. Yep. And it also made it easier that, you know, he wasn't his father because his father was a smart and capable ruler, although an arsehole. But Nicholas is an idiot and just doesn't have the capacity to handle people wanting to revolt. So, Mm -hmm. yes. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the people pretty much at this point are like, F you. Like, we're starving. We have nothing. You are literally the richest man in the world and you're sending us off to die in a war and we're sick of your bullshit and it's time for a revolution. (laughs) The cool thing here is as well, it's actually mainly started by women, this rise up, because um, all the men are off in the war and while they're gone, the women are forced to work in the men's jobs 
the mm. Tsar won't approve any system where they get paid fairly or equitably to the men, so that pisses the mm. women off. The women are starving, nothing's working, and the women are like, F you, we are going to protest. And so they start protesting and Tsar Nicholas sends in a bunch of, like, guards and police and stuff to um, shut it down. But when they get there, they're like, hey, yeah, everything is really shit. So then they join the protest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it just kind of grows and grows and grows. So Tsar Nicholas and Zarina Alexandra and their four daughters and Alexei, you know, have been living a really sheltered life in their palaces for, you know, 20 years now. They pretty much barely do any ruling. They just have a really nice, lovely time hanging out with each other and eating nice food and having grand parties. And Nicholas even, as Tsar, has no idea what's going on outside. He's just kind of like, whatevs. And they still don't think, as people are rising up against them, that anything will happen. And they're just like, but, like, we're pretty and rich and you guys love us. Like, they can't believe it. Mm. And the people are like, no, we don't, F you. (laughs) <laughs> and so then a group is formed by the people called the Bolsheviks, led by Lenin. Again, mm. if you want more on that, go read a book. But they're basically <laughs> the ones who are like, we're getting rid of the royal family if uh. you guys were taking over. So mm. they storm the palace and Tsar Nicholas is like, he just freaks out straight away. He doesn't give an F about his people. He's not one of those kings who is like noble and is like, I'm going to fight for my rightful place. As soon as Lenin and the Bolsheviks storm the palace, he's like, okay, fine, I quit. <laughs> just let me go. I don't care. <laughs> so he's just like, uh, yeah, he's like, here's the keys, bye. And so he's like, I'll just quit, no dramas. And he, you know, plant, he's so rich. He's like, I'll just take my family. And they have royal relations all over the world. He's like, we'll just... Mm go stay in someone's palace in France or something and keep living the way we've been living because it's not like I've been doing any ruling here. Mm. So he abdicates the throne thinking that the Bolsheviks will let them just bounce. But the Bolsheviks are like, lol, no, you are the reason so many of our people have died, are in poverty, are starving. We're arresting you for crimes against the people of Russia and we're arresting the Tsarina. So they take them and the four daughters and Alexei and lock them up in a house until they can kind of decide what to do with them. It's kind of like prison for rich people. They're like in a house that isn't as nice as their palaces, but it's still like the nicest house you or I would ever have been in in our lives. Yeah, like when a celebrity kills someone and then ends up on house arrest with a bracelet around their ankle. Yeah, Exactly. That's basically Mm -hmm. what they're doing. For 16 months, they're moved around to different places while the Bolsheviks are, like, freaking out about how to handle it because it's like some people still did want to reinstate the monarchy, but so they knew that they were a danger, but also it was like, should we just send them away or, like, we, it doesn't look good to, like, kill a bunch of kids. Maybe we should just kill him. Like, maybe we could use him as a bargaining chip. Like, they just weren't quite sure. They were just sort of housing them until they could make a decision. Mm -hmm. And then finally they get moved to a big house called the house of special purpose. And (laughs) just if anybody ever says to you, I'm just going to get you to stay in the house of special purpose. I'd be like, no, 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 thanks. No. Uh, Sounds like people get tortured in there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So they get taken to the house of special purpose and 
they're all living in there for a while. The windows are covered. They're not allowed to look out the windows. Like they've got guards watching them 24 hours a day. At this point, um, the Tsar and Tsarina are in there. I think he's 50 and she's in her late 40s. Olga is 22. Tatiana is 21. Maria is 19. Anastasia is 17. And Alexei is 13. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're living in this house. And then one day the Bolsheviks freak because they hear that there's a rebel group nearby that is going to come and storm the house and try and save the royal family. And so just in the midst of their freak out, they're like, shit, we better just, let's just kill them. We'll just kill them all. Um, So they take the family down to the basement on the morning of July 17, 1918. It's about 2 a.m., And they wake the family up and say, um, we're moving you to a safer location, pack up all your shit and come down to the basement. We'll wait there until your transport arrives. So they take them all down to the basement. While they're in there, the Tsarina demands a chair for herself and a chair for Alexei. So two chairs are brought in. So they're sitting and the rest of them are standing. And also what a lot of people fail to mention, which I find quite sad, is um, it wasn't just them in the basement. It was They also had a doctor and three servants with them who had refused to abandon their masters. So there was a couple other people who were involved in this execution as well, but, you know, they weren't rich royal people, so we don't care about them. <laughs> they don't matter. They don't matter. So they're waiting in this basement and they're like, yes, this house is shitty, it smells, they're going to move us to a better house, awesome. Then... All of a sudden, a Bolshevik officer called Yakov Yurovsky walks in and he reads a statement to Tsar Nicholas that says, the Ural Soviet workers' deputies have sentenced you to death by execution. And Nicholas literally says, wait, what? He goes, what did you say? Because he can't believe it. And Yakov repeats the statement again. And then gunmen file into the room and immediately start shooting just at all of them. And so you have to imagine the logistics of that. Like it's a tiny little room. They're all just sort of standing up against this wall, like the size of a small bedroom. Mm. And then all of a sudden all these gunmen come in and just start firing. And this part is, it's really awful. Like they basically botched it. Like it wasn't organised like, You know, you could have just, I'm not going to talk about, like, the best way to kill people, but you could, in an orderly fashion, shoot them each in the head. You know, like, I'm (laughs) just saying, if if you're going to do it, that's not what they did. So they botched it. A nice, tidy human slaughter. Exactly. Nice, tidy human slaughter, people. There was no order to it. So there's shots firing everywhere. And this is a tiny windowless room. So it fills with smoke. So nobody can see anything. There's screaming. And the horrible thing is they'd each of the guards had been assigned the person that they were meant to shoot. So they did attempt to have some order to it. Like you shoot that daughter, you shoot that daughter, you shoot that daughter. But when they got in there, none of the guards wanted to shoot the children. So they all just shot at uh, Nicholas and Alexandra, the Tsar Uh and Tsarina. And so that actually made it more horrible for the girls because then, like, all the bullets went into their parents and kind of missed them. And the bullets that did hit them were ricocheting off them because they had inadvertently made bulletproof vests for themselves by secretly sewing all their jewels 
and oh, um, get like, out! Yeah, they had sewn all their jewelry into the lining of their clothes, so they would yeah. have a fortune when they left eventually left Russia. And so bullets were not like ricocheting off them and they weren't dying because it was like, oh my here's God. my my $14 million bulletproof vest made I've of rubies. I've got diamonds and, in my bra yes. and corset. Wow. So first all the bullets went to the parents. So the first round of bullets didn't kill any of the children. Then they started firing at the children, but they, you know, it wasn't killing them because of the jewellery in their clothes. And so in the end, even though the soldiers didn't want to shoot the children, they ended up dying a worse death because the Tsar and Tsarita died instantly. They just mm. got shot and died. Mm. But then the girls are getting shot at. Um, the room's filled with smoke. Some bullets hit them. So, you know, they might be shot in the arm or the leg or something. They're screaming. And eventually they realise, shit, like, this is really loud and it's going on too long and we don't want the neighbours hearing because they don't want anybody knowing that it's happening. So they're ordered to stop using bullets and to the, uh, by this point, Alexei's dead as well. So it's just the four girls who are still alive, um, shot at, screaming on the floor. And they're ordered to take the bayonets of their guns, which is like the little knife at the front of those mm. old school guns and kill the girls by stabbing them to death with the bayonets. Oh. So the girls end up dying just the most gruesome, awful, horrific death. How do we know this? Did the, did those... Yakov Yurovsky, the the guard, um, all the guards gave pretty detailed accounts, in, including Yakov Yurovsky, the lead guard. Um, so it's all been documented. Plus they can tell when they eventually find their bodies, like this stuff. But um, uh-huh. yeah, it was like pretty awful. Um, right. And so that's why when I said at the start, like it it's sad. It, like, it's awful. I think they were essentially an awful autocratic dictator family who just cared about their own wealth, didn't care about their mm. people, let their people starve while they, you know, lived in splendour. But still, nobody deserves that kind of death, particularly mm-hmm. the girls. Was it something that they were proud of? Like, did they publicise the fact that they had done this sort of brutal... No, so we'll get, we'll, get to okay. it, we'll get to it. Once the smoke clears, Nicholas, Tsar Nicholas, Zarina, Alexandra, Olga, Tatiana, Maria, Anastasia and Alexei are dead. And also the doctor and the three servants who we don't care about. Mm-hmm. Um, all the bodies are put in a truck... And they want to drive, the plan is to drive them out to a mine shaft. You know, like mine shaft is like a hole that's like 50 metres deep. They're just going to chuck them down and then throw acid on top of them. Like that was kind of the plan. But the truck breaks down on the way to the mine shaft and they're like, ugh, like let's just bury them here. So they they just, the soldiers just decide to bury them in this field where their truck breaks down. And it's really awful, like, they put all of the family together in one hole except for uh, they think Maria and Alexei get put into a separate hole because the soldiers decide, like, we'll split them up. So if people ever find them, the body count is wrong for the family so they won't Mm. know that it's them. Right. Also, um, starting the next day, other, like, wider members of the Romanov family start being executed. So, like, that was the immediate family. But then, you know, people like Alexandra's sister and aunties and cousins, 
from the next day for the next 85 days, the Bolsheviks track down all of them and murder them. And you know how they do it? They throw them alive into the mine shafts. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So. so they hate these people, like hate, hate them. Uh-huh. And so this, um, the Bolsheviks, to answer your question, don't want anyone to know they did this. Like, they um, released a statement saying that Tsar Nicholas had been executed for crimes against the people of Russia, but they say that they decided to exile the Tsarina and her children, and they said they put them on a train and sent them to an undisclosed location because they can't tell it. Like, it's a barbaric act, and they are mm. trying to take over a country and be respected as a new government, so they can't really say, oh, yeah, we slaughtered a, a mother and her children. And yeah. so that's where all the fantasies start about where the princesses were because everyone's like, oh, my God, they live, they're on a train, where are they? And it wasn't really just the princesses at first. Like, people started coming forward pretending to be Alexei, pretending to be all four of the girls, <laughs> pretending to be the Serena. Like, that happened pretty quickly. And the people yeah. knew, like, that they were probably dead because that train they got put on, like, never you know, they never got off a train anywhere. So people were mm. like, they're probably dead. But fantasies and myths about them being alive started pretty quickly. Uh-huh. And the myth about Anastasia became the most famous because most imposters were claiming to be her. They think because she was the youngest, so it just gave people more of a buffer, like, throughout the years to, like, say, like, they were her age or whatever, but mm. also because the most famous imposter of all the people pretending to be any of the Romanovs was a woman called Anna Anderson, who um, I'll tell you quickly a little bit about. She was um, in Berlin in 1920, so this is a couple years after the family had been killed, and she tried to kill herself by jumping off a bridge and somebody pulled her from the water and saved her and she was taken to a mental institution. And while she was in the mental institution, she didn't really tell anybody her name. She said she didn't know who she was, but she was obsessively reading about the Romanovs, which had become a huge news story. Like it was like front page of newspapers, magazines all the time. Like, where are the girls? Where's the Serena? Is Alexi alive? Like it was huge gossip basically around mm. the world. Mm. And so she started obsessively reading about the Romanovs. And then she just one day started saying she was Anastasia. And uh-huh. a lot of people believed her. Like, her story's really kind of fascinating. Like, she just in her time at the mental institution researched it so much, like started practising Anastasia's signature, was learning all about the family. And um, a lot of people believed this woman was Anastasia. And then some other person who had lived in Russia was like, yes, I met Anastasia once and she's Anastasia. So then people were like, oh, my God, it's Anastasia. And she spent a lot of years, like, in and out of mental institutions because she was a bit cray-cray. But mm. she's, when she wasn't in those places, she was, like, living with really rich aristocratic people all across Europe who believed mm. she was Anastasia. And they were, like, bankrolling her, putting her up in apartments. Like, so she spent a long time with the immediate links to the Romanovs, like the few people who were left who met her were like, no, it's not her. She's crazy. She's an imposter. Don't listen to her. 
But mm. all these other people really wanted to believe she was Anastasia and it was like maybe she is. And so she um, became hugely famous in the press. She insisted to the day she died she was Anastasia. And also mm. I love this. She, um, she mar- ended up marrying some guy in the US who was really wealthy and he liked saying that he was, you know, had married a Romanov. So, um, mm. but they were both a little nuts and they both just ended up living in this huge house that they became hoarders. And so they were just surrounded by like all their stuff and like apparently like hundreds of cats and like they'd wander into town to buy food and they were like the local town eccentrics. Like, oh, that's Anastasia Romanov and her rich husband. So she eventually <laughs> dies. Is there a documentary about them or something that we can watch? Because I want to know I'm more. I'm sure. I didn't, I didn't watch one for researching this, but there absolutely would be because she was a very uh-huh. famous woman. Like she became famous and to the day mm. she died insisted she was Anastasia. But then in 1991 when they could finally do DNA, it was proven that she was of no relation to the Romanov family and she was uh-huh. actually like just a Polish peasant woman who had ended up in Berlin and was, you know, feeling depressed one night and there it began. Chucked an Anna Delvey. So that brings us to the bodies. So this is crazy. A random guy who is just like an amateur kind of like geologist type person, like archaeologist, he sort of did a lot of research and decided he reckons he could find the bodies. So he sort of researched what happened on the night and went looking around. And in 1979, he found the bodies. But the go- the Russian government at the time was still like, never talk about the Romanovs. And so he was too scared to tell anyone. So he found the bodies and he dug up a few skulls and then he just put them back and covered them with soil. <laughs> didn't say anything, didn't tell anyone for years. But then when the government started to change and... Um, the Soviet Union was all happening and falling, it became a little more accepted to talk about what Russia had done to the Romanovs. So this guy went to the government and said, oh, hey, um, like almost like 15 years ago, um, I found them. Just thought you might want to know. Like, <laughs> I can show you where they are. <laughs> and the government's like, what? And so then they go there and they exhume all the bodies from this pit But, of Mm. course, because Alexei and one of the daughters, either Maria or Anastasia, had been buried separately, this is when the rumours of, like, Anastasia surviving went into overdrive because everyone was like, Uh. we finally found the Romanovs after all these years and one of the daughters is missing. Like, what? (laughs) And so people really effing, like, believed when they dug up that first lot of bodies that, like, see Alexei and one of the daughters escaped the bodies that they did find were buried at St. Petersburg Cathedral and the Russian Orthodox Church declared them saints. And then what? in 2000... Why? Yeah, just like... On what um, basis? Martyrs of, you know, I don't know, because they were really serious Orthodox religious. Okay, Just like so martyrs of the faith or something, I don't know. It's just another connection to power for the church. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But, okay, so here's the thing. In 2007, the final two bodies were found. So Alexei and what they think is actually Maria um, Mm -hmm. were found in the separate grave nearby. And so that kind of finally put to rest that 
any of the children had escaped, that Anastasia had escaped and is out there somewhere, that Anna Anderson possibly was Anastasia. Like when they found the final two bodies, it was like, here, bang, we found them. There is no way to say, there's no possibility that any of them got away. Mm. Or is there? (laughs) So there's one final (gasps) little bit to the story. So the Russian Orthodox Church buried the first lot of bodies at St. Petersburg Cathedral and declared them saints. But they are refusing to acknowledge the remains of Alexei and Maria. They're saying they don't believe that they are Romanovs. They're not burying them with the family in the cathedral. So Alexei and Maria's remains are still just sitting in a box in some Russian archive building, right? And there is some speculation, some, that the Russian Orthodox Church knows something that we don't because it is a huge deal to bury royal people in the sacred place they're buried in St. Petersburg Cathedral. Only royals who have been ordained by God are buried there. So some people think the reason the Russian Orthodox Church are refusing to bury those two bodies with the rest of the family is because they know somehow, they have information that we don't that says those bodies aren't Alexei and Maria. So some people say the Russian Orthodox Church know Alexei and Maria are out there somewhere. They know that those two bodies aren't them and that's why they're refusing to bury them in a holy site where only royals are allowed to be buried because otherwise why wouldn't they just bury them with their family? Ah, so it's a to-be-continued number. Well, um, maybe. Ah. <laughs> Did they do DNA testing on yes. all of the bodies? All, of, all them. of them, including the two found in 2007, so Alexei mm. and what is either Anastasia or Maria, and they were found to be Romanovs, so, like, the DNA mm. says it. So that's why it's like, okay, it's it's them. But the church is saying, no, we we refuse. That's why people are saying it makes no sense that the church has made this decision because there's DNA supposedly proving that it's them, but the church is like, no, we're not burying them there. We don't believe it. And so people are saying, well, they must, they must know something and that's mm. why they're not, you know. Do you have a theory? <gasps> well, I'm just piecing um, one together here because obviously Anastasia and um, Alexei would be mm. dead by now, but if they had procreated possibly with each other, ew, but could be, <laughs> then maybe the... Russian Orthodox Church has some sort of plan for in the future. They're going to make a big monarchistic comeback. I don't um, know. Maybe. Like, it just seemed, yeah, I, and Russia is, you know, the most corrupt, crazy, weird place. Mm. So I wouldn't be surprised if they said the DNA of the final two was theirs, but really it wasn't. I mean, I, there's just so many. You can go down so many weird Reddit rabbit holes. <laughs> On this, like, isn't I? And I started looking into it, and there are people who do straight up believe that that was not Alexei and Anastasia, and their the Russian Orthodox Church has been hiding them and their subsequent families and children since that day, and that's uh-huh. why they they know it's not them because they know where they are. Mm. 
All right, mm. can I like put the call out to all of our listeners? If you feel in <laughs> any way inclined to do the research and the footwork here and go and find whatever information you can and whatever theories you think might be most fascinating, send oh, them to us. Oh, there's a lot. Yes. Like I went down some rabbit holes, but, you know, we're giving you just the gist here. So if I was to go into all of that, this would be a three-hour episode or more. But it's, mm-hmm. like, fascinating to look at. And I think it's also people just so desperately want it to be true. It's the coolest story. What if Anastasia has just been out there somewhere, you know, mm. and has children somewhere? Like what if there are secret Romanovs? <sighs> oh, and, if okay. you know, we don't know who they are. Maybe your one. <laughs> Is your grandma secretly Anastasia and you just never knew? Is it going to be like that movie starring John Candy in the 80s where everyone died and then he was the only member of the royal family left and he became King of England? Oh, that was a good one. That deserves a rewatch. I loved that movie. It was really good. Yeah. Could you possibly... Could be a Princess Diaries situation. Are you going to find out tomorrow you're the Queen of Genovia slash Russia? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone likes to think they're possibly royal. Can't imagine why I, as a little girl, fantasized about not being part of the family I was born into. Geez, I wonder why I wanted to escape. Where did the that queen come from? I don't know why anyone would be excited at the thought of finding out, oh my God, I'm part of a really long line of inbred people. (laughs) Who were also um, evidently quite awful and responsible for the death and poverty of their entire population. But little kids don't think of that. They're just like, she's a princess. (laughs) An incestuous princess. And then the animated movie came out. So in which none of this Bolshevik government nonsense was put in the movie. It was just Rasputin was an evil wizard who Mm. killed them all. (laughs) So there you go. More palatable for the the kids. More palatable for the kids. That is the story of the execution of the Romanovs. Well done. You have certainly whet my appetite. I want to find out yeah. so much more now about I especially know. theories of why the Russian Orthodox Church might be covering mm-hmm. up the bloodline. That's line where your dinner party live. conversation comes in. Ooh. It's Fantastic. The kind of thing, oh, I could talk about it for hours. I often love it. <laughs> so that was just the gist, and I'll put in the show notes if you want more. I watched um, this amazing. It's kind of like half documentary, half drama. So it's a documentary with reenactments, but the reenactments aren't cheesy. Like they've actually got good quality actors that you recognise. And it's Mm. called The Last SARS. And um, it's like a six part documentary slash dramatic reenactment thing about the end, like about this. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's really good. So it sort of cuts to history experts talking and then it cuts to actors acting out stuff. Mm -hmm. It's hard to explain. It's a weird hybrid of a show, but it's on Netflix and it's called The Last SARS and it goes into all Uh of this. It's really good. There's a whole awesome um, two episodes on Rasputin where, Mm -hmm. like, the guy who plays him is creepy and awesome. It's good. And then... um, I watched uh, another couple of um, National Geographic documentaries and I, a whole bunch of articles and I also listened to a whole bunch of podcast episodes because everyone on who has a podcast has done an episode on Anastasia, just not as good mm. as us. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I'll put all the links in the show notes because this really is the kind of topic when once you 
hear about it, you just want to keep reading stuff and learning mm. stuff. Mm. And everyone has a theory. Everyone What's has a theory. What's yours? What do you think? I think that Alexi and either Anastasia or Maria, whichever the girl was, um, were probably, I'd say Anastasia because she was the youngest, so that makes sense of the girls. Mm. I think the Russian Orthodox Church, like, took them that night and probably because, like, some guards who'd been guarding them liked them or double agents or something, so they organised to sneak them out. Mm. And I think, you know, they sent them to live somewhere. I mean, maybe Anastasia grew into a little old lady tanned in Florida, like the Golden Girls, <laughs> and, and had a family in the Russian Orthodox Church, I reckon, are keeping a very close eye on them. And they've just, you know, got that in their back pocket. But I reckon <laughs> they had kids and I reckon, you know, those kids have kids and I reckon the Romanov line continues. And it's slowly getting less and less inbred as they marry more and more people from the wider community outside their families. <laughs> Wouldn't it be amazing if that is what 2020 finally throws at us when December rolls around? That is the, the big reveal, the crescendo, the finale, the Romanov family still alive. <laughs> Living in a trailer park in Wisconsin <laughs> or Minnesota, eh? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, gosh. I don't know. Oh, gosh. I, I, who knows? That's the thing. It's fun to read about. I mean, they're mm. probably all dead, let's be honest, but still. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a murder story made fun. Well done. Yes. Oh, thanks. Kept Just it the light gist. and breezy. <laughs> Just the gist. Wouldn't you love to hear me do just the gist of World War One? And then some people died and that guy was mad at that guy and they shot that guy and then, like, you know, England was like, nah, and then it ended. <laughs> that was just the gist. <laughs> okay, everyone, thank you so much. Um, follow Jacob on Instagram because he's finally using it again, at Jacob William Stanley. Follow me, Rosie Borderland. Follow Just The Gist, Just The Gist podcast on Instagram. Email us cool stuff, justthegistpodcast at gmail.com. We love getting your emails. We get, we're getting lots of emails now. We sure are. And I loved it. Mm. Whoever it was that used the term suggestions, um, suggestions has yeah. a special place in my heart. We would love to hear your suggestions for episode topics in the future. Suggestions from our gistners for Just The Gist. All right. Love you all. Bye. Bye.